This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Hills 90210 fans, you are now entering a song by song. You're so precious to me. Episode by episode. Look, I hate you both. Never talk to me again. Count of the making of America's most famous zip code. May the bridges I burn light the way. With producers Charles Rosen and Larry Mullen and your host, Pete Ferrero. Hey guys, don't go away, man. Just go away. It's now time for the Beverly Hills 90210 Show. All right, here we are. We are on a very special episode of the Beverly Hills 90210 show today. Uh, we're talking 90210 in black and white, and we are joined by the great Chip Johannesson. Chip, how are you? How is uh, how's everything going in quarantine for you? Uh, it's starting to drive us a little crazy, I guess, but so we're doing as well as anybody. Yeah. Now, when you look back on these episodes, you re- you've done a lot of things since 90210, but do you remember this time period of your life at all? You know, I remember, I hadn't seen these episodes for like um, 25 years or 27 years. It was like, it was kind of mind-blowing to look back at the actual thing and sort of see it as an audience for the first time and, and like it, I guess, more than, I remember the struggles of it at the time. Yeah. But I remember this episode really well because it was the first one I ever did on a TV staff, and it was... I, it was uh, it was a bit of a struggle getting it to come all together, and Chuck cut me a lot. Help! He came in and helped a lot on this, so we can talk about that. But sure. um, so I remember I remember a large parts of it pretty well, and also I got involved with. Uh, you know, it's obviously based. It has a kind of context, which is it was both the LA riots from '92, but almost even more importantly, something that had happened at Dorsey High School right, right. about a year before sure. the fair. Right. Yeah, we'll get it. We're going to get into all that. I want to welcome uh, Viceless Shannon here too. Can you? Uh, I don't know if you can. I'm going to unmute you to make sure you can hear us. Uh, it says that you're you. I can't unmute you because your mic is not connected. We will work through that technical glitch. Well, yeah, I will watch yeah, you do it. Anyway, while we're, while we're working through that, the usual suspects are yeah, good. Larry and Oh, there you go. Is here. So, hey, man, it's been a while since uh, you did these episodes. How's everything going uh, with you? Everything is outstanding. I am, uh, you know, I'm growing a little, little, little facial hair here for a role that I'm preparing for. So, hopefully, uh, you know, when everything ends, uh, everything be fine. Uh, it, yeah. it took me a while to grow this. This isn't easy. This, this is a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Um, everything, everything's fine. You know, I'm a father of two beautiful daughters. Uh, they're both working, uh, 20 and 17 and, uh, you know, everything that, you know, they're doing fantastic. I'm, I'm a very blessed man that they're uh, healthy and doing great. And, uh, been producing a little bit, did a couple of gigs and, um, you know, that's, that's what's happening right now. I appreciate being on, man. It's a pleasure you guys having me. I really yeah, appreciate awesome it. to have you here. Uh, Juwan in Squash It, some really good stuff. Yes. I got to watch all this stuff this week. Um, 
Uh, now, I, promise gonna... a friend, I promise a friend of mine I'll do this, okay? So I did, I did, it, I did it, okay, all right? I did it. Boom, we all, all right. All right, okay, okay, now we got that out of the way. <laughs> That's out of the way. Well, I, I want to do a shout out since we just did the squash it thing. Yes. One of yes. my Facebook friends is Jay Winston, and he was the um, uh, a pub from the public health at Harvard, and this was his program to reduce violence. Right. And I think okay. he's watching. And I, okay. you know, I said, okay, I'll mention your name, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right there, it was a great guy. And he also yeah. was our advisor all through high school in matters pertaining to sexuality. And it yeah. was really great because whenever the network got, you know, panicky, which was, you know, about every other week, I would yeah. just say, would you like to talk to my friends at those Harvard School of Public Health? Because they say, is that real? I said, well, you, would you like to talk to them? I never say if it was real or not. I just always had them. You know, you could talk to them. And, and uh, also we have our usual suspects, Chuck and Larry here. Hey, uh, Charles Rosen, how are you? I heard you're good. Good. Was in the water today with dolphins. Can't can't beat that. Very cool. Oh, I'm, jealous. I'm jealous. Haven't done that yet. Yeah, yeah. Water's warming up. If you wear yes. sweatsuits, you'll be fine. Did you wear a mask? Uh, not in the ocean. <laughs> but yeah, walking across the sand. Are you yeah. trying to make the dolphins sick, Charles? What is going on? Really? Really? They, they got their own tune. But we Peter's all over you, man. That's it. We yeah. were on the same wave, and people could see us. They could see them under me. So that was what was cool. Beautiful. And Larry right. Mullen is right. here. Uh, Larry, hey, hello, hey, man. I want to tell you that today is the birthday of my son, Johnny, who Chuck and Chip both know. Wow. And uh, he was born 39 years ago in Santa Monica, one pound, 14 ounces, wow. down to one pound, eight. And his story became Andrea's pregnancy. And we used all, a lot of the drama, the emotional reality of that for the whole series of Andrea's pregnancy. Wow. wow. Happy birthday. Happy yeah, birthday, Johnny. Johnny. Yeah. yeah, happy birthday. And of course, Lily is with us representing all the fans and all that stuff. Lily, how's everything in the world of the fans? All good? It's always a great week in the 90210 forums. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. A couple of things I want to, uh, before we get into all this, a couple of things I want to mention. Now, I, usually we wait to the end of the episode to talk about next week's episode. But I'm going to mention it right off the top here to talk about what we're going to talk about next week. So next week, the conversation is David Silver, right? So Charles went all the way with this one to get us a special guest to help us talk about David Silver. Boom. Next huh? week. <laughs> Who is that? The special he guest. Who made a point of saying, I told him you were going to be on tonight? Because he all, he was thinking, could I get on tonight? He had right. prepared duty. But uh, yeah. he wanted to make sure he, I said hello to you for okay. on his behalf. Hello. So next week, David Silver, we're doing two episodes. We'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that later on. Uh, and then we also, because Chip is here, we have a new shirt that's going to be coming out uh, I, probably tomorrow. Boom, there we go for the uh, 90210 fans. Chip created this line, made the bridges I burn light the way. Chip, do you remember writing that line for Dylan? Yeah, but it's, it was in a different episode, right? It's like where Brandon's yeah. trying to come back yeah, and yeah, trying yeah. to him come back to the world, and he says, get lost, and then Brandon turns around. Yeah. 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 There's some gunplay. He had the gun and stuff. Yeah, things that go bang in the night, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah totally. Cool. Um, where did you grab that from? You were telling us before we came live. 
there was a lyric in this band, uh, in this like not very uh, serious band out here, and it was a lyric from one of the songs. I love it. Yeah, not I'm one that I wrote, so I should actually admit that. <laughs> That's amazing. All right. So a lot of good things happening here in Beverly Hills, 90210 show world. Brian Austin Green next week, a new shirt, and this show right here. Um, let's start with you, Chuck. Well, I mean, I'm curious to know, you know, you know, you guys cover racism a bunch. You did Ashes to Ashes, I think, even in the first season. Is that the first or the second season? Um, you 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 wanted to cover it, but now is it coming from pressure of you guys, you know, of the, you know, there's not really an African-American character on the show. Is it that kind of stuff? Or is it these are the or both of them that this is something that's super important to you and that you want to start writing some of this stuff? Well, um, the first one we did was actually called One on One. And it was in the first season and it had to do with basketball. And um, it was a, a really indigenous Beverly Hills story because Beverly Hills the city and Beverly Hills High School, being a liberal community, wanted to do its part to um, share the the bounty that was Beverly Hills High School in those years, which was the top public high school in the state, the ours and one in Palo Alto. And so they bust, when I was a senior, they bust in uh, th 36 kids they basically all lived in Ladera Heights, uh, and and they were all athletes, the women and the men, all of them. They were all fine athletes. They were younger than me, so I didn't get to know them. In two years, Beverly Hills was winning football league champions and this, and it was brought in specifically to, um, and that's who they brought in. That's who the kids were, and uh, and it was a kind of a little bit of a mini scandal at the time, and so. I thought it was an interesting twist, and, and, and again, that when Brandon kind of thinks that's going on, he jumps to conclusions, mm -hmm. because that's how he's been conditioned to see things. And yet the, the person he's was so suspicious of because wasn't doing the things that those in a kind of protected program would be doing is because his father was the janitor at the school. Right. And that actor was played by Tico Wells. And uh, and who was a really good basketball player? He came to be. A, 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 we tried out on a Saturday at my house. Uh, you know, because I didn't want. To, I wanted to make sure that the basketball player was good. And so that's always was the focus. But I can't lie to you. Uh, it, you know, as somebody who is grew up in the '60s, grew up watching the civil rights movement, both the 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 horrible the the the, the on, on the in Selma, and the and the triumph at. The, uh, with Martin Luther King in, in the Washington Mall, I that, that was my TV show growing up. Mm -hmm. So this, these issues meant a lot to me and continue to through the beginning of the well. I'm sorry, guys. Through the beginning of the Black Panther Party, this stuff mattered to me. Uh, I I had seen the world differently. So yes, I was going to be writing about it. And the irony is, is that prior to becoming in the 90s when i started with this show first northern exposure and this show in the 80s i mostly did television movies and mostly all of my television movies had were either about the black community or women because blacks and women weren't getting jobs yet right so the progress that we've seen i'm all for it but they sort of took away my strengths as a writer <laughs> Yeah, because uh, you know it, 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 the world has changed at, at, at this point. But that was the first one, 
And ashes to ashes, just quickly before we get to, to home and away, near to dear in my heart and how I met Chip in, relative to the show. Ashes to ashes was the idea that Fox was starting to gain a little traction in the second year and they were going to have more nights of programming. So what that meant was they were going to need new shows. And here was, and they had made it pretty clear. They had put out the word, especially because they were very, ultimately they sat on the shelf for a long time, but once it aired, they were very happy with the living color. And they saw that they were going to expand in an urban audience. <clears throat> and so we thought, well, how about a black Walsh family on the same street? Wouldn't that be great? And that's a, you know, you used to do that a lot. How do you launch a series? You launch it through other series. We did it with Melrose Place. We launched it through 90210. So that was part of the conception. We got a very strong cast um, uh, of, of players, a really good family. Uh, I co-wrote it with Judy Ann Mason, who was a African-American writer. She's passed away. I unfortunately would would say to you that she is the only above the line writer that we hired. <laughs> Certainly, I hired, but we did this one together, and um, and and everybody was very happy with it. And it was one of the lowest rated shows that we had done up to that point. <laughs> and it was pretty clear, you know, who were we making our television show for? Well, we're making our shows for the suburbs. The, yeah. the the city, you know, it, it was not an urban television show. Nonetheless, uh, when Chip was talking before and he made the illusion, but before we even get to that, I want to jump ahead to when I met Chip. And what, what also, just before, to say this, as a local here in Los Angeles, the idea that we were burning again in 1992 with the Rodney King riots, because when I was 13 years old, after Arthur Wachtel's bar mitzvah, we went up to the top of the Hollywood Hills and watched Watts burn. Mm. And it was miles and miles and miles away. Nobody even knew where it was. But that's So here was 92. The city is on fire. It's on fire exactly where I live in the, in the Fairfax district. And Chip, when we started working together in, in 92, were you already, when, when, the, when, the, when the uprising broke, were you already on staff? You remember it well no that would have been like that's the end of april so I, I was probably hired but hadn't actually shown up there yet right. I probably came in in june or something right i'm just going to do a little digression a funny anecdote about our guest here chip so we had the same agent and the agent gives me a, a spec of a law and order that chip had written i think you had one credit you had rugrats <laughs> but you're i said gonna, i'm not i'm not going to read children. rugrats I think so I got married with children. It was a very special I wasn't going to read a married with children, you know, but <laughs> but he said, "Well, here's the spec, you know, the hour format, and the opening scene is two guys. They're parking attendants in New York. It's Law and Order. Parking attendants and guys in New York, and one of them is talking to the other guy. They're kind of jiving back and forth. It's cold night, and uh, they're talking about the night that Richard Nixon uh, drove across the bridge." This is obviously he wasn't president at this point. It was in the 90s. You know, he drove there to dinner and, and ate at the restaurant and they parked his car and he stiffed them. He didn't leave a tip at the end. And one turns to the other and May goes, oh, well, that's tricky dick. And they open the door and there's a dead body in the door. I didn't read any more of the script. I said, anybody who's going to put all of these things together in this has really an imagination and an intellect, and he made me laugh. 
and then there's a dead body. It's got yeah. it's full service in three pages. So um, that's amazing. And, you know, part of what we build this tonight is what did we do right and what did we do wrong. Yes. One of the things we did right was get Chip on board for help for the oh, three years and really take it to I a much higher it. level. I appreciate that. That's really nice. Um, you know, I I'm curious, uh, Chuck, when you pitched these storylines, is Aaron okay? Or do you, is it a whole thing? Is the network okay with you doing some of these stories? Or um, is it like, well, what are we doing with Donna? Like, we've heard that. A little well, bit, you know? Yeah, well, I, I think that this one, again, and, and, and Chip knows this, and because he became pretty close to the football program at Dorsey High School doing some research, you know, if you want to describe the incident itself that I heard about and moved me to say we got to do something, um, be my guess. Yeah, and I would also just say that in a certain way, even though this is, you know, looking back 25 years, this is kind of a very special episode of 90210, and that, that's the way TV was then. And you're, you can't help but be amazed at how much things have changed in 25 years in terms of the storytelling that's available and the different viewpoints and stuff. I just want to. Um, say that, but I would also say that it was like another 90210 episode in a certain way because Chuck was had this big thing. Correct me if I'm wrong. You had this sort of three layers of 90210 that there's the world around you, there's how it lands on the high school, the things that people are doing, the high school, the games, the dances, all this kind of stuff, and then a third layer of the melodrama of the characters' lives and how that all fits together. So, in that sense, it's very classic. 90210 construction, it was just pushing the sort of, um, you know, social issue part of it a little more. But right. like, well, so in this one specifically, like there about a year before this aired, there had been a drive-by shooting at a game between two South Central high schools, one called Dorsey High and one called Crenshaw. And these were both kind of powerhouse football teams. And two, two students, I think, had been shot, nobody killed. But what happened then a few days later was that Banning, which I believe was a largely Latino school down by Long Beach that was going to be playing Dorsey High, they said, we're not going to play you. It's not safe for us to do that. And so they actually forfeited a game that then took their perfect winning record. They were 7-0 at that point. They became 7-1. And the Dorsey Dons at that point were the other powerhouse team that year. So this big matchup that was supposed to happen never happened. Um, that would happen about a year before. And so I don't know if you sent me down there, if I went down there or how that happened, but I got hooked up with Paul Knox, who was this kind of legendary football coach down in, in uh, at Dorsey High School for many, many years. He, he really only left there about in 2014. And he was extremely helpful and he had an amazing program down there. And so he also helped us understand some of the dynamics, I guess, that it happened. Mm. Well, what Chip has just described, when I before uh, when I heard it on the radio, it broke my heart. Mm. And it broke my heart because, you know, I as a kid, I, you know, one of the things that, that why people kind of uh, like the high school years is because I really liked high school. Right. And I really liked the different things. I didn't, I didn't, I only played baseball. I didn't play football. And by the time I was a senior, I wasn't going anything uh, at, a, at, a, at a football game. But, but it was all American. I liked going in college. I, I liked it. And to have it be cut off and have the, the, the students themselves not have then the privilege or opportunity really made me uh, think about what we could do. Yeah. And that's uh, 
and and to answer your question, what did spelling say? No, because uh, you know, again, it was partially expected that we would have an episode like this. You know, not not every week. So right. you remember, we had gone to Paris. We had had this, you know, the Beverly Hills Beach Club. A few ones back, a few plots in motion. I think the one that preceded this, Chip was always lumped in with another writer who started, then Star Froman, and she did the one right before Chip that had to do with a high, uh, called High Wire, that had to do about getting into college, which, which Mr. Spelling really hated because we were mentioning college, and he didn't even want to talk about that. He was still in shock. But the uh, uh, but the other was was um, it was kind of what's expected, and he was supportive, and uh, and that's where we start from. You know, yeah. he he um, at some point I turn in a first draft that everybody hates, and the whole thing kind of melts down, and Chuck has to kind of bail me out of this. But um, at that, that point, I don't remember. Well, well, at this point, Aaron, because we wrote this thing on weekends together, you and I finally. With you doing most of it, I think at the beginning at least, and and then he maybe pitched. Well, I think, but what we it was an unwieldy story, so that so I think the thing about it, it is done, yeah. the, the voiceover. Yeah, the voiceover, voiceover and also carries the, the action. You know, you, but I just to wanted to say that at this point, Aaron's expecting to see a script on this thing, and there's no script. There's no script, and production starts pretty soon, and there's no script. So he said to Chuck, um, who I'm sure has said like, there, "We got this new guy. There's like some problems, but." Um, <laughs> He says, to Chuck, he says to Chuck, um, well, whatever you do, just make it great. And that became a line in this thing that Gil says to to um, Brandon when he can't deliver his yes. editorial on time. Yes. Yeah. Just right from the right from the writer's room, we pulled we pulled that. <laughs> but the other thing that's interesting to talk about again in the episode itself, um, you know, what what's really sweet about it and good about it is so many of the uh storylines that we would pursue in the third season were set up steve and his music and yeah. and dylan and kelly commiserating over their, their their sad childhoods and and errant fathers and so you know we really things that were in motion even the sue scanlon uh and, mm -hmm. uh, and you know uh yeah. the, the scott's sister we paid that off in a in in the very next episode so a lot of stuff you know was set up in that but you know for me Looking back at it, what really brings me—it's interesting. I'll—I'll I'll have to confess. You know, uh, you know, Jason didn't, especially in the first year, with all you know. Do I have to be this much of a goody goody? Do mm. I have to do that? that? Was not who Jason Priestley was. He's like to drink beer and he smoked cigarettes and this and here he was always saying, "Well, I'm a PG kind of guy." And 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 I think that when finally he realized, I finally said to him, "Don't you get it, Jay? Brandon is me, buddy." That's how I was in high school with all the party people, but I was a politico and Ed, I was with the party people and the political. So um, he would think about me, he once told me, when he when he would do, you know, a particularly political episode. He, it helped him because he could see me. This was the only one that I could see myself in. Mm. I mean, I think his performance as a young activist, this was to me pitch perfect. And when I wonder why, it's a double sore. It's a double reason. One, the words that Chip wrote. And then we had a really top flight director on this one. Yeah, we did. Uh, Jack, Jack Bender. Jack uh, We had kids in the same school. And I and I just was relentless. I would just say, you got to come and come to do the episode. Come on, Jack. I've known you for years. We actually worked together. 
this was 1990. We, we, my first credit was a TV series, and he was a director on that. So I've known him, knew him a long time. But he, but he went on to direct the pilot of Lost, and yeah. he uh, also um, was it was a regular director of Game of Thrones. And he did a and bunch of our flyaways. He did a bunch of all fly, he did a bunch of all flyaways. He was sort of they, they didn't have producing directors then, but he did a bunch of the most beautiful ones of those. Is that right? Yeah. No. I was so lucky I got him on my first two episodes and they were just beautiful. Yeah, you know? two of the best. The yeah, they were just beautiful. But I think the interesting thing that people might want to be interested in and, and before we move to just squashing it um and taking questions or whatever else is what happened after the episode aired. Mm. Because we're talking um, home and away, just just to catch everybody. We're talking about home and away right now. That's the episode we're we're kind of diving into. Yeah, and it's the episode where where uh, um, the the, uh, the with using the shooting and and uh, Brandon starts investigating as a reporter, and right. he he comes into contact with the, virtually the same kind of guy as him. It would be a black Brandon who's in the sure. newspaper and a leader at, at Shaw High School. Well, I called Ooh. it Shaw. I had I knew that Dorsey was one of the two high schools. I forgot that Crenshaw was the other high school. So yeah, Crenshaw was the Crenshaw, other one in the, in the shooting. You mean the shooting right. happened at a game between Crenshaw and Dorsey? And the we called our fictitious yeah. high school Shaw. This right. was a mistake, and the kids got really mad. <laughs> and and there was a lot of stuff going around. And I want to ask you about this uh, vibe because uh, in in a second, but. We, we took them up, we, we, Mr. Spelling, um, what he did was he, he chartered a bus for them, mm -hmm. the honors English student, the people who wrote us a letter telling us what racists we were. And we went in a room and we sat and watched it with them. We talked to them a little bit of there. I remember one of the things that they were really furious about, and it kind of, even at the time, broke my heart that this was an issue for them because they didn't like the fact that we depicted their high school with people having to walk through a an X-ray uh, detector. And I had already, and yeah. I had already had that experience in some research I was doing on a TV series in Chicago, an inner city high school called DeSable. So I just, oh well, that's something that we'll put in here. And of course, there was a shooting uh, a week later uh, after this episode, and we ultimately filmed at that high school and everybody had to go through an x-ray to get on their property. So, you know, we were, we were ahead of our, we were ahead of our time in some things. Yeah. And, and particularly this, one of the things I really love about this script before I, I, I turn it to you by is, and I don't know where you got this chip. I know that you, you did the research, but you really went on Jordan Bonner. You put the words white privilege in his mouth. Yeah. Do you, you know, and, I had never heard of that term. The, the, I'm the essence of white privilege, and I had never heard of that term when, in 1992, whenever we were doing this. Yeah, I don't honestly remember where where that came from. I, uh, but, there, there's one thing I do remember where it came from, which was the electric slide at the end, right? where he's right. dancing. And Virginia and I had gone to a wedding, like, maybe a couple months before in South Central with uh, a woman she knew from work who was quite young. We went to this wedding, we were the only white people there. 
And at some point, everybody gets up and does the electric slide. And we were just such chumps. There are like five-year-olds who know how to do this dance. There are 95-year-olds who know how to do this dance. And we have like no idea. <laughs> it was like the, the idea that, but just seeing all these people, like all these people of these different ages, like um, having this thing in common just looked like something that might possibly work. The thing at the end. Vi, you were in Los Angeles in 92. Yeah, you, you grew up here? Uh, yes, I grew up in California. I was, I was born in Memphis, but raised in California. So did you have an awareness of what we were doing as a TV show? I know you were, I don't know exactly when you became the young actor, but did you, either this episode or other, you, did you have any perception of us at all? Good or bad? Well, uh, yeah, well, you know, the perception was, uh, like when I when I got a call to be on the show, the audition, it was, you know, 90210 was obviously very popular and it was a hot TV show. But the, you know, the main critique was, you know, where the brothers at? There were right. no people of color. And uh it was a shame because, you know, it's uh it, you know, I mean, I guess you know, 90210 is there's there's no black people there, you know, they they don't there's no point of view about race. Uh so that's what the perception was, you know, throughout everyone, that there was no people of color. And, 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 you know, it's uh, just like Melrose Place. It was like, you know, it, it, was, it was sprinkled a little bit. And then, you know, like you said, that black family, African-American family came on there for a while, um, did one episode, but that was the perception of 90210 was, it was, it was, it You're was right. Lily White, it was Lily White and, and there was no people of color and it portrayed uh, just, you know, everything was hunky-dory and, and, you know, when sort of Brady Bunchy. <laughs> Mm. You know, so that's, 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 what, that's what we got. Zara wants to know real quick, Chuck, before we hop into the next question. Did did you watch any of episodes of 902 before you were hired for the show? Did you watch this Home and Away episode that we were just talking about, V? No, I didn't see it. If You know, if I did, I don't remember it. I don't yeah. remember it if I did see it. Um, so, you know. But I, I, did, I did watch episodes of the show. I, did, I was familiar, you know, who, who didn't. Right. <laughs> you, know, you, know. you know, the one thing is, is that you're absolutely right. We and, I, and I've talked about this. Larry, Larry knows this very well. What was I? I we didn't have money for um, much money for guest stars. Right. So what we ended up doing is either having to make a show, an episode that was race based or we. Um, but what we could do, we did do. We made her a, 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 an African American principal in school, an African American uh, super uh, uh, running the Beverly Hills Beach Club, vice yeah. chancellor of the of the school. So you know, you you did what you could do, but you know, it was a time that was not. Uh, and it, and as you say, I love the word how you use sprinkled, because yes, color was sprinkled all in the show, but you know, this was this was the world of Aaron Spelling. Mm. Yeah. And, and, uh, that's where I started from. Yeah. Yeah. You guys had Deshaun for a little bit, you know, I mean, that was a character that was, that had a quite a, I mean, quite a run with you guys, um, that you guys developed. And I know that you've talked about, and this is sort of off left field here, but I know you guys have sort of talked about, there was going to be a moment in one of the episodes with Donna and Deshaun and that got shot down. So was this kind of the stuff that's getting shot down to, to bring these characters in more or what is it just because it was Donna, if it was going to be Kelly, would that have been uh, no, no problem or. No, it just wasn't the focus of the, it just wasn't the focus of the, right. the focus of the show was here are these characters. They're going through high school. They're bonding. They're together. Right. There's romance. I think that I appreciate how Chip 
phrased it, we had the school, we had the interpersonal, and then what was going on in the world, and and try to find the you know that. But no, I think the only time that we were ever told specifically uh, not to do something uh, that that had any racial overtones or undertones would be that. The, the um, Donna that's not quite true, is it, Larry? That is not the only time we were told well, not to do something for I'm a black thinking, person. Let's be specific here. I don't say there's any reason why we can't be specific. They were going to kiss. Uh, the Deshaun character and Donna were going to kiss. And we went upstairs to the powers that be, and they said, no, they're not. <laughs> that was 1994, maybe. Uh so figure yeah, out you, guys really mind, you guys got to understand uh, something is is, is when when an uh, interracial couple, whether it's I mean predominantly you know black and white, mm-hmm. when when it, it you can write a character, you can write a story, and they just have to be interracial. But then what happens is the story becomes about that. Right. It's never yeah. about just they're just interracial, but it becomes about that. That's why a lot of times you know I mean things are changed now, and and you know times have changed, but back then. If the if a if a girl happens to be white and the guy has to be black or vice versa, it just can't be there that. It's it about point. that. It's it's about that. Mm-hmm. So, yep. you know, let's be that's that's really what was going on. That's what I always experienced, you know, growing up. That's what was going on. But you know, times are different now where you know you got I mean, you got uh homosexuality and, and everything else that you know everybody's kind of said, okay, you know, everything's fine. And you don't you don't get the backlash. And you know uh, the society has kind of accepted it, where and you have different platforms now with Netflix and everything, sure. so it's a little bit more acceptable, where yeah. no one will lose their jobs or anything like that over that over that kind of, of yeah. uh, progressive and and uh, courageous writing. Well, right. I, because, I was trying to say, by the way, earlier about just like looking at this stuff for the first time in 27 years, the world of television has just become so much wider then you know this is right that was the world back then there were a few white guys on writing staffs doing all this tv and they're just there weren't 500 shows there there weren't 200 channels right a very insular little thing people writers tended to be younger probably on average then because it was sort of up and out but it was all a bunch of white dudes and it's it honestly has changed you know and and it's a much better situation than these very special episodes where it becomes about that you know, yeah, yeah, we were the net. We were the network era. Uh, yeah. You know that is that is for sure. Um, and uh, and there were only three games in town, and then Fox showed up. Yeah, and it was also advertised. I know what I was. It was also advertising sponsored. So yeah, the well. sales department controlled the content. They they really yeah, they, truly did. They um, control the narrative. Yeah, they, the, the, better to say it that way. Control the. When you when that happens to you guys, Larry, when that happens, you go up to the room and then you're told no. What are you guys feeling? I mean, you got to be pissed off about it. Yeah, you know, you know, we just said, "Oh, yeah, he's from Texas." Okay, and um, I remember that that feeling. But yeah, I mean, you know, you know, it wasn't like we were going to repeal it. I mean, he ran everything. Yeah, this was, again, we did so many episodes. You didn't really have time to get pissed off or appeal, right? Or right? I I yeah. sometimes would throw a monkey wrench into stuff like that. Right. But, you know, we, we really didn't. And it wasn't, you know, you, you have to always pick your battles. What are you battling over? Sure. What, do you, what do you really, uh, you know, I mean, where do you draw the line? That was Kretz Williams, who was really good. I mean, he was really great. I mean, everyone liked him. And, uh, you know, for all we know, we, you know, we thought we could break a character that could be recurring at that point, you know? Yeah, right. absolutely. Right. For sure. No, I was thinking about, I was thinking about uh, 
the fact that that one of the the we were we there was a director we both really I really liked him as a person and I thought he did a really nice um, work Roy Campanella Jr. Uh, son of the baseball player and uh, production knew better than me and said no you know, he's not a very good they don't like him in other places he doesn't do the and again what's my battle what, what am I what am I trying to do I'm I'm, I'm trying to battle this this so it's like Okay, Paul, you pick the directors. And one of the things particularly is the show went on, I think in season five particularly, um, you know, I wish I would have taken a stronger hand in this one, this one, this one, because really a lot of really terrific directors wanted to come on and do our show. And uh, I only learned after the fact how many were told no. Courtney's letting us know, and I've got this now three times, people just let me know, that Andrea also briefly had a black boyfriend in high school, Jordan. Yeah, from, from Home and Away. Right. Same character, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but Andrea is played by the. Uh, I won't say it. Andrea is a different character than uh, than Donald. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah Andrea oh. wasn't the boss's daughter. Okay, Donna. <laughs> <laughs> he said it. Yeah, I said it for you, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> she was a virgin until she was twenty-two. I mean, come on. Right, right, she was right. First, right. not a virgin, then she was a virgin <laughs> after her dad decided. Right. Right, yeah, right, right. You know. We've there's so many of those in the first episodes of 90210. And as always, the rationalization was nobody was watching then, and who remembers? And it doesn't matter. And ultimately, it didn't matter. And who remembers in that? Because it's not, it, it, you know, it wasn't embedded. It isn't like the Talmud or something, you know. <laughs> right. Um, I'm curious about the Home and Away episode. We have that narrator thing. That's not, we never really have ever seen that on a 90210 episode where we're doing we're doing like a narrator thing. How did you guys come up with that? And uh, you know who came up with that idea to have Brandon sort of narrating it? It makes it feel like a very a, a much different episode than all, every other episode we've ever seen. Chuck you know, came up with that idea, and it was really after the first draft, I think. And then on my, you did, you came up with the voiceover thing. And then I think for my credit, I had always wanted this to be about a tight interaction between somebody in South Central and Brandon Walsh. And that became the axis for it. And the storytelling got way improved when you brought this voice. That thing at the beginning, you pitched out in the writer's room, I remember. You were just going like, you know, I'm thinking about from like Pompano Beach or whatever it was to St. Paul, everything's happening. And you just pitched out that opening thing like off the top of your head in your office one day. Yeah. Well, it was, yeah, you know, that the world goes on. It just, and things happen and, and, and stuff. Well, thank you for that. One of the things I, I looking at it again, that I remember we did and, and uh, you know, uh, Paul Wagner came in and said, really, we're doing this. I said, yeah, you, it'll be fine. You just need a picture car. Um, it was very important to me that he drove his car past the street right. that had been burned. Right. And, and that, you guys that, that we that were there, that this was my city. This was, this was the same place. I also the the while the um, when the when the um, uh, actual Rodney King that those police officers were acquitted, stop you know starting this you know legacy of madness. The the uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I, I lost my train there. Legacy of Madness sounded too good. I just oh, it was so to... great. I was like, it's going to be so great. Where am I going with this? <laughs> Riots. Riots. Yeah. Well, you were oh. saying he drove past oh, yes. the burned that building. We, that we were the, you're right, Lily. We, we were the first one in the first episode, Misery Loves Company, 
Brandon Walsh walks on the street on the sand with Henry Thomas uh, and talks about how and, and Henry talks about how his store burned down. Right. His store, the one that he and his brother had. It wasn't that, oh, yeah, you know, we were out there and we were furious, it, you know, that, 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 that the real personal element of this, you know, that that was there. And, it, you know, and, and the deep affectation that that the deep affection that, that they both had. Um, I, uh, I was particularly proud of that one. And um, yeah, uh, we were the first show on television to even acknowledge there was a riot in Los Angeles. But it comes off. It comes back up in this episode too, when Brandon is driving by it, and he says, "You know, I wonder if this is where, um, where the store was." He says, "I can't help to think about Henry." Yeah. Uh, nice stuff. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the squash squash it episode. Um, I'm curious to know. Um, uh, where that started for you, because that's a different time period now. That's a couple of years. This is a couple of years later from Home and Away, right? So, Larry, you wrote that episode, I think. Yeah, I wrote it with and I shepherded it. I, you know, created the story with, with Chuck. I, I have the credit on that. And I also worked on this, the teleplay with a writer we were bringing in who was an old partner of mine who was up in Vancouver, Phil Sabbath, who has been gone since 2004. I love Good, Good writer. Good writer, good guy. He did uh, season six and seven. Also, he was on staff then. But, uh, you know, Chuck, had, like you said, had met Jay Winston. So we knew we had, you know, it was a writer's problem. We have to work in the squash it thing and try to create a, a, a scenario that's going to, you know, present it and also give a good story to to Brandon and bring some authenticity, which you brought for Celis. Because yeah. that's where I remember that casting. And, you know, it was hard because, you know, and you remember your talent pool, your, your, some of the guys you were up against, you yeah. know, it, it's, somehow you just shown, you just, I mean, we just knew when you walked in, you were going to get the part, you know, and uh, you had done maybe a couple of things before that, or you just had the right attitude for, you know, for this, because yeah. it had to be kind of a, a, a lot of edge and also some tenderness because he was really Willie, our much beloved chef, which we forgot to take a moment to. Yeah. Yeah. Remember Willie, who died also, Wesley Allen Gluck. Did you know that, Chip? I didn't know, no. That's sad, yeah. I mean, incredible. And he's incredible through the series. He gets a couple of lines here or there, and they're always, like, great. I mean, he's so good in this squash yeah. episode. Yeah. Because we're talking about him now, I got to jump in here. We pretty much – he wasn't. He was mostly a principal background extra, premium background. And – the, 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 he, he had done a lot of our episodes. He does this episode. And I'm basically told, you know, we don't really like to use our extras and give them speaking parts. So let's not do that anymore. And, you know, and I thought, well, yeah, but this is, you know, here you're doing this to this guy. Years later, of course, they took it to the black guy. And I'm looking up his credit and relationship. And I realized Bravo to you, Larry Mullen. You didn't follow through on that at all. And he had lots of episodes he was in. in season oh, I gave him his first line, I think, which was in Rock of Ages, where he visits Dylan in rehab. The great um, line. He really was good. I, I was wondering what Vi's uh, uh, reaction was. You had to come to North Hollywood to do the audition there. What was your experience? Yeah, I was wondering that. What, what is your what is your version of this? You get a call to do this, and then now you're going to audition for 90210. What's that process like for you? Every black actor was there. <laughs> every every black actor that was that had credits 
that was, um, you know, that fit the that fit the age range and the look was there. We all knew each other, you know, uh, and it was a small pool. Well, not sure the salt. I mean, the roles were small, and they were pretty much a reason why I like this episode is because Larry, exactly what you said that it had he had some depth. He, uh, you know, he just wasn't this kid from the hood, and um, you know, so I, the writing was excellent. And but you know the audition itself. When I get the call, oh, you're gonna audition for 9021. I'm like, okay, this is this is it. And I think at the time the character was supposed to be a recurring role. Mm. I'm not I'm not sure was it. It was because it was. It came, from, they, 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 they always tell it came from like Brian Austin Green's thing or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, um, it was uh, to get. Sometimes our casting department would. Um, floated out there that this yeah. is a recurring role so we would get a better caliber of actor yeah right and uh it worked yeah. that's why i love the water, but I love it works. The, i love when willie said uh you know uh, juan's here to stay i said yes and uh. and, 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 and yeah and well, we know what happened with that but um <laughs> but, but um you know uh what did you know that your uh you, you know your agent at the time um christopher barrett Barrett, yeah. He yeah. probably told you though that that we knew each other, right? Or not? Yeah. Oh no, no, no. I, I was gonna say this maybe towards the end of the show, but you uh, know, Chuck, you did a very, very classy thing when I was inquiring Chris about uh, you know, are they gonna bring me back? I'd love to be back on the show. You wrote me a letter. Mm -hmm. I still have that letter. And you 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 compliment me on my talent. You say, you know, I'd love to bring you back, but you know, you say, Well, I, I look forward to working with you in my post 90210 career. And yeah. it was a very, it was, a, I still have that letter and it was very classy. And I thank you for that. Well, you're welcome. And if I would have had a post 902 career, we would have worked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, believe you. I believe you, but you, you, you gave, you wrote, you personally wrote me a letter and I, and I, and I appreciate that. Yeah. I think you're so good in this episode. What's it like for you? You know, the 90210 group, they're all together. They're, you're, they're a clicky group. Maybe I don't want to say that, but what's it like for you guest starring and coming into that world is Brian, you're working with Brian a bunch. Uh, how's he to, to work with? Oh, Brian was great. You know, I mean, you know, it, the cast is, uh, you know, everybody, you know, they're a family. Sure. You know, and it, yeah. it was great. Cause I, I mean, the set it had, you know, they had a video games and everything. It was, a, it was a great set. And, um, I remember one instance where we had a lunch break and, you know, I just, I didn't want to do anything or say anything to, you know, bring any attention to myself. I just want to do my work and, and leave and, and, you know, just do what I wanted to do. Um, and I remember one time I was in my room eating lunch and I was, and, and Kathleen knocked on my door and said, uh, you know, Vi, you want to come on, join us for lunch? I said, oh, okay, well, no, let me, I don't want to say something stupid. Or, <laughs> or just do something where it was just because I knew it was a tight knit family. The show was a hit, and you know it was just. I said, let me just. I appreciate it, and you know we'll see maybe later. But on this one, I'm just gonna just do my job and bring no attention to myself. Except he did a great job and know my lines, and I don't want to get too comfortable. I, I kind of want to keep that edge. I don't want to get too comfortable to where you know I you know I, I got too relaxed. So. But other than that, it was a great set. Brian's, Brian's outstanding, you know, good actor, obviously, everybody great on the show. And, uh, you know, they made me feel welcome. You know, it was, it was a very well-ran set. Yeah. What do you remember about working with the actor that played uh, Willie? And by the way, that's a very nice Kathleen Robertson story. Kathleen, yeah. what are we doing? Are you coming on the show or not? 
Okay. <laughs> yeah. Larry, have you heard from Kathleen real quick? I have not heard from okay. Kathleen. While we're Come on, Kathleen. Come on, Kathleen. Did you hear that? Very nice. We're all saying <laughs> about you on the comment. Yeah, um, working with the actor that played Willie was that was that some good stuff for you? Uh, you know, like you said, he's in, he's basically a, a, an, an extra, right? So, uh, and he gets this opportunity, and he kills it in this thing. What's that like for yeah. you? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we we didn't have uh, a lot of one on one scenes together. You know, I think I, we you know he, we just kind of passed each other, and and you know we, I spoke at him one time, but we never right. had any um uh, you know close ups or, or or interpersonal dialogue together, but. You know, just meeting him as a man, he was great. He was fine. You know, he was yeah. a good man. Good man. Very cool. Yeah. Larry, how old were you when you did that? Uh, how, how old I was were you? Nine, I was 90. Was that 90 what? Four? 90 yeah. 94, so. yeah. Uh, I was 20. I was 23. Oh, you were 23. 23 so or 24. Oh, you could yeah. play young. That was good. Yeah. That was yeah. always helpful. Yeah, well, when, I did the hur when I did the film The Hurricane, I was, uh, I played a 17. It was 15 to 17, but I was 28. Huh. So I've he always still played, very uh, young, actually. You yeah, still got yeah. very young. Yeah. You still like look that. young. That's a good yeah. thing. Larry, yeah, I'm you. curious in this episode for Squash Kid, where did you come up with this Australian rock band? Bloody Like becomes like a you know a big fight on the dance floor and all this stuff. This is always mm. sort of happening when we get groups of people together. Um what where where did you get this band from? Yeah, you know, I Chip remembers we we really liked death metal. We, there was a thing about death metal that we kind of kept trying yeah. to slip over the show. So this was Australian death metal because I really, you know, obviously we had to create something in this fight, which was not going to be a white on black film, so to speak. But we needed to bring some foreigners in, right, to, to really set it off, uh, right. And um, I don't we know, should have brought in Bruheria. What's we should that? have brought in Bruheria from south of the border. You know how much I love Bruheria. <laughs> That was our favorite band. It was a Mexican death metal band. Bruheria they were, they were so active. scary. Like if you played it for a small child, they would break into tears. And like <laughs> it was like ministry, it, you know, kind of like ministry. Jesus built your hot rod. That uh, if you know that, but it was so ridiculous. But yeah, so we just played that off. And you know, you see the difference though in directing. If Jack Bender had directed this episode, that fight would have been would have been covered a bit a little bit better. I thought. Um, yeah. Chuck, do you remember who the director was? I, I think was it Les Landau again? Les no, Landau. Him under the bus. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Lily, let me ask you: Do you have some fan questions? I know Zara um, had some really, really awesome questions that you sent me earlier. So, uh, go ahead. What you got? I do. So let me start. Let me start from the beginning. So, one of them was about Home and Away. So, our good sure. friend Zara Brown, one of our viewers, she's watching right now. Um, she wants to know. When Brandon and Jordan were introduced, that first scene where they meet outside of the Board of Education meeting, uh, building, yeah. um, the conversation that they had, were you trying to address white supremacy and systemic racism by encouraging white audience to have these types of conversations that Brandon and Jordan have? For example, they were talking about the high school shooting and Brandon automatically assumed that the kids at Shaw had to do with the violence and Jordan had to check him and let him know that it was an isolated incident. Mm. And um, so Jordan strikes back and telling Brandon that what he said still doesn't stop him from being an expert and that he really doesn't know anything. Yeah. So yeah, were you that, trying to encourage the, uh, 
No, yeah. I was trying to encourage, sorry, I was trying to encourage that that year there were 771 homicides in the city of Los Angeles, county of Los Angeles, and half of them were gang members. So I wanted to just deal with the issue. And I realized that I knew stuff. I know Chip, I know his background. I know some of the things he went to see and, and, and different things in his time being trying to be more in a, in a, a diverse uh, arena. And the first thing is, is, is conversing, getting your opinion out there and finding out how wrong you are because you really don't know. Yeah. So it, it's not, that's not white supremacy, that's white. You know, there's another thing, that's a good example of a scene that wasn't in the first draft that wasn't working because it was like what Chuck was saying earlier, we we're kind of beholden to tell these stories from our characters' points of view. They're all white, they're all in Beverly Hills. And so if you, if you try to tell a story that's happening in part in South Central out of that, it's horrible. You you can't move. You know, as a writer, you can't move. But as soon as you get these somebody who comes from another place, at least, and they can kind of meet, that's sort of on neutral ground, or, you know, which is another theme in the, or another term that comes up in the thing. Suddenly, you can start to tell a story, and those scenes between the two were all, you know, there was a little mini arc on that where they are a little bit like this to begin with, and and sort of at some point realize they're on the same side, and that suspicion is replaced by um, a kind of trust and understanding. And that's very much what the goal of those scenes was. Yeah. Me Melanie, Me Melanie asks a good question. Um, Ian in both episodes is his Steve is definitely, you know, the epitome sort of, of white privilege. You know, he's pissed off because David's not going to get to play in, in the one. And then he's saying all this stuff about, uh, you know, Juwan in the in the episode. Uh, does Ian have a problem playing this this type of character? Or no, I I, in, I let, me, let me just say about this one, and I'm going to go back to one in the first season actually. Cool. Yeah, but in this one, um, you know, I saw that too, and yeah, that was he was he played it a little harsh. He didn't yeah, get definitely. toned down, but at the same time, the situation that he found himself in was that he's been told he can't have anything to do with nightclubs or after right. nightclubs. Yeah. He got himself in trouble, which is was the, the you know part and parcel of his personality. And here he is very exposed. And if something goes wrong, I mean he's he's really in, in deeper jeopardy. So what he is isn't necessarily racist. He's selfish. Fair Welcome enough. to Beverly Hills. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I saw it. It was like really the Beverly Hills look at this. I mean, it was honest, I guess. I mean, but but yeah, well, that's one way of looking at it. I mean, how I, saw it, how I saw it was, and uh, it just it just goes to show that, you know, we, we all have different point of views. My point of view is, it's basically what we all go through. It, it, it showed me that he might have had some implicit bias. And we all have that. We, you know, we don't want to admit it. There's certain races that we just have a bias towards. And I think that what he did was he he couldn't see past his own flaw. All he saw was this kid. He's black. He has a history when him himself got a second chance and he couldn't see himself there. All he yeah. saw was color. Mm -hmm. So this is this is the point of view that is like, I think that but remember he was pointed yeah. out to him. You got a second chance. 
Right. Yep. So in other words, we didn't let that slip under the table. No, exactly. We had to learn something. Always exactly. Having people learn something when and that's that's what's Chuck. great about this, Chuck, is that when people if people can understand that when you have that about yourself, just acknowledge it. Acknowledge it and go, okay, I can understand different perspectives and why people think the way they think. It's really about not understanding a culture or or understanding, you know, why somebody thinks the way they think. And if you just sit back for a minute and go, okay, why do they feel that way? Why do they think this way? And that'll solve a lot of problems because it'll 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 level the playing field instead of thinking that it's you against me and all the stuff like that. But that's the point. That's the that's the thing that I saw when I saw Steve act like that. I'm like, yeah. that's 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 what yeah, it, it is. Does, and for it clarity, we're talking about Steve now, not I. Yeah, talking about Steve. character. Yeah, But it was also that you 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 tap into something, and and so this chip that that really was something that I I was part of on my ongoing dialogue with the network, which is, which was, the characters have to make mistakes and do things wrong. For exactly. them to learn anything, you can't make them icons, and and this they have to do that, and then then the audience will learn through that too. If right. they We're learn something, the audience sees them learn something. So that was that was right from the start, and from the start was one on one, the basketball episode, and what how we had to deal with it was Ian's disappointment. He's going to get cut from the team because they they brought in some really good basketball players who were there, and they were they were top program at this point. But also, he's talking about the, the going to a basketball game and seeing the Lakers and the Celtics and how much more he likes Bird more than, than Magic. And that was the life for those of us who liked the night, followed basketball in the 1980s. Mm -hmm. You know, when you've had L.A. kids here rooting for Larry Bird, it was a it was hey. a uh, it was a signpost. Yeah. Right, Larry Bird out of a lot of fans in Los Angeles who didn't want to root for Magic and Kareem. I'm curious, uh, which who came up with this 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 hand gesture? Well, that was the Harvard. That was part of their thing that we were yeah. selling. That that was the whole program was built on that as a well as a, a conflict avoidance uh, issue. And I really like that scene where where when uh, down in the in the community center where you yeah. see their actual yes. film that they did. It came out mm -hmm. of the Kansas City. And they had to do it. I, I wasn't, you know, trying to, to be defensive at all. There was so much murder. There was so much, you know, crack cocaine really brought out the worst of our civilization. It was a very addictive drug, and it, it decimated communities of color and, and um, a lot of murder. So they went, what are we going to do? What are we, how are we going to change? They were public health. You know, they, they were allowed to address it. You know, that's what they were trying to do. Uh, someone said here that you know Ian was really great in these episodes, and I think that's 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 true as well. He was pretty. Well, Ian showed David, up every time. David was really. I mean, Brian uh, Austin Green, amazing, really, yeah. really good. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and Brian, we we spent some time outside of the outside of the uh, shooting, uh, and uh, he invited me to his house, and we 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 developed a nice, cool friendship. He was a uh, he's a great he's a great man, good actor. Did good you guy. guys do any music together? No, no, I wasn't a music guy. Oh, he he did he did a lot of music. He did just played one on TV, right? he was good. He was good at music. He that was that was his, that was his other yeah. love, his other passion. And uh, he did he did some music with a friend of mine. And um, so you know, um, he Brian is he's very talented, very talented brother. Did you know the other guys? One of the other guys who was in your uh, your group there was uh, called Slim Kid Three. He was supposed to be a big music guy. Did you know him at all? T Hardy T T Harden no. or. 
I think I know you're talking about. He was he was in he was an episode light skinned the cat. Yeah. In the episode that was what yeah, I know. Okay, I know you're talking about. Yeah, he was in your episode. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, he was he did some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Lily, I'm sure you got some more questions, but this is a good time to remind everybody that next week Brian will be here. So there, there you go on the David Silver episode. Sorry, I have to do things like that. Yeah. Um, all right, Lily, uh, go ahead. What, what, what other uh, questions? So here's here's an observation. Uh, this is something that Zara pointed out to me. Um, and we would like to know if the writers were aware of this minor duplication um, that you had in Home and Away and in Squash It. So right at the very beginning, one of the scenes in Home Away, Home and Away starts off with um, Brenda and Donna watching the uh, the band's audition for the to play at the Pigskin Prom, and you know Kelly goes in and she tells Brenda, "Why don't you just hire David?" Well, in Squash It, you kind of have a similar it's uh, scene there where out. Donna walks in. Claire is watching. Claire is looking for a band to audition. Valerie and Steve are talking about who's going to perform, and then Steve also says, "You should just hire David." Were right. you guys aware of that duplication between these two episodes? The more things change, the more they remain the same. Right. Larry didn't have to say no. Opportunity to say yes. Wouldn't have known either. Um, yeah, you know, I, I the first time I should say I had never seen Home and Away till today. Chip, you did a great job. Chuck, you did a great job. It felt, it did feel like Chuck. You know, Brandon felt so much like Chuck in the thing, and and it was a totally atypical episode because of the voiceover, which I I kind of suspected, like all voiceovers, became a voiceover because the script wasn't working, as we all know. <laughs> this is one of the things we do. It's, it's um, but it really worked well in this case, and it gave it all a focus. And the whole ending thing, really, uh, I thought was great, and the dance number was fantastic. Yeah, you know, I think I remember from the dance. Well, you number. the dance number to it, Chip, because of that line dance that you knew. Yeah, so that that's why it seemed like because it's a little fatuous to say the world saved by dancing, but you, we'd have something. So that was like that's why it seemed like it was worth a shot. But I remember the dailies; these the actresses were wearing skirts that were so short that every time there was a take, their skirts would somehow ride up to their stomachs, and they would have to take it down. So we got videotapes of that. That was the. Oh, what good. about the song? What about the song that they sang? Switch it up, switch it up. That's, like, the, that's home and away. Switch it up. Was that a Brian Austin Green? It must have been a Brian thing. And home and away. Yes, it, right. It really works well in that thing. It does. Right. It, it was. It It's a good question. We could save that for Brian. But who writes yeah. Brian's stuff? Is that? Is that? Is that save that one for Brian. Save that for yeah. Brian. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I I was gonna go there, but you know, I mean, he'll be here and he can tell us. Um, but he does do a Mickey mic check somewhere, I think. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah. In that episode. Um, what else you got, Lily? I'm sorry. Uh, so I have a question for Viceless. Yeah. Um, Great. So were there any issues that you had with the script? Um, were there ever was there ever a time that you had to make any suggestions, or were you overall happy with the script? No, I had no, I had no issues with the script. Um, you know, I mean, a few lines. I, you know, it, it was just, a, it was such a, a great set. Everyone's so talented that, that I, I ad lived a lot. Me and Brian did some things, you know, off script, and it just worked. We just, I just, we just had a lot of fun. Um, there was nothing because it, it was a one-hour show. There's, there was a whole different, there's a bunch of different storylines going on, and you know, they captured the message, you know, pretty good. And, well, to, uh, that, you know, and to, to that end, it never mattered yeah. to me, the exact, almost never mattered to me the exact language 
It was right. the intent. Uh, yeah. Sometimes I'd have to go back and say, no, you got to say the line like this because of uh, story reasons. But but right. as long as the intent was there, and you know, you guys were really good at that. Um, all the ma- the guys in our series, Ian, Jason, they really were very good improv uh, uh, ad libbers. Yeah, so it was. I never had a problem with the script. It was just, it was a, it was a very. I keep saying it, you know, when it, it the show's a hit, so it, it was a well-ran set, you know, and everyone's professional. So if I did have a problem, it was rectified. But I never had a problem, and everybody was just. I was able to have fun and be myself and go off script. And Brian was, he stuck right with me when I went off script. You know, nobody said cut, and it was just, it was fun. Cool, it was fun. I'm you know, curious. this show was uh, aired. I just was curious when the uh, air dates were. Home and Away was in October, so it wasn't a sweep show, but it was leading up to it. And uh, Squashy was in April, so it was leading up to May sweep. So that's why there's the Dylan story, which is going to become big. Right, the other ones, you know, he's serving a lot of masters in there, especially Squash. It had, you know, we had more characters in the cast then. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, how did the ratings do for Squash It? Uh-oh. Not good. Soft. Mm. I don't remember. Yeah. Well, I don't remember these things either. And then that was, was kind that of like across a, the board. That was across the board. Any time, and it, and it's not a. It, it it's just the way it was. It was this who this audience was. What they watched this. It was always less watched. Uh, yeah. And only time it hurt was was ashes to ashes. Uh, otherwise, we're just you know putting them out. And if we're satisfied with them and we get feedback back that people were, that was enough. Chuck, wasn't there kind of a theory in those days, though? Because it's not like it's not like something would go up and could be streamed, and people would say you really have to watch episode seven of, you know, right. Fleabag. It's like <laughs> there was kind of a theory that like the the quality of the episode the week before would somehow affect the ratings this right. week. You know, it That's was really right. hard to figure out. Well, also the promotion. You know, there was the, the network yeah. promoted TV guides told you what the episode right, was. So the audience knew going in, kind of, and because they would always give away our plots, you you kind of knew what it was going to be. Right, right. Um, yeah, but we're talking about ten million people watching it when it was bad, low ratings, right? Eight, <laughs> eight million people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wasn't even. Now, now I'm you one thing. I'm, when I'm said soft, I meant soft in comparison to other Two. ones we were doing at the time. Sure. Yeah, we still in in Los Angeles. After by the third season, we were top ten in LA every week, so it yeah. didn't really matter. Also, well, that's, that's why they, that's in why LA. they come back. When, Go ahead. <laughs> when these episodes are discussed in the groups, when these episodes are discussed in the groups, we have a lot of people that you know watched them back then and and they enjoyed them ashes to ashes and squash yeah. it so it's it's just weird to hear that they weren't that they didn't rate well right uh well, the forum for people to talk really either there well i no just stumbled forum. onto it i mean lily i just stumbled on i was looking for something on apple and i stumbled onto these group that was just had reviewed this show that we just talked about home and away and there were, there were two women. It's not a big deal. And it had like 88 viewers or whatever it was. But they were haters. Mm. And I had mm. protected myself. They were probably the haters. Yeah. Yeah. They really hated our show. They hated everything about it. They didn't get anything about it. Mm. The only thing they liked, they probably- which is something that I noticed too, was that when, in the end, when the dancing stuff was happening, and Kelly arrives, and he's and Dylan is dancing with Brenda, and he pulls Kelly in to be with them. It was yeah. a whole other way we could have taken the triangle. 
We just right. didn't even think about that then. It was yeah. 1992, not today, where you would, would with a more salacious. That's what they talked about. Richard that's what says they, that so, Wiki so says. we got haters, you know, and they watch I was going to say that these these two women are probably the same women that created the I Hate Brenda newsletter. Yeah. Okay. Let's not. <laughs> no, let's, yeah. But for me, I'm curious. What is your world like after you do this episode? Does it just sort of blow up? Is everybody like to do this, do this, and or, or what's 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 your life like after that happens? Uh, well, you mean like immediately after that? After the yeah, show after aired? Air, yeah. Oh, oh goodness. Um. Well, it was it was nine oh two one oh. So it was it was you know. It was it was, you know, people were just like, wow, you did you did this show and this and that. But then was anybody walking around doing squash it? Uh I was. Well, well, <laughs> well some some of my friends were making fun of me. Making and I have some friends to this day going, really, dude, you know, so <laughs> I don't I'm with you. I, I don't think I was, it worked. I was I, yeah, I was I was getting made fun of a lot, but you know, it was it, the, every you know, everybody that I knew watched the show, you know, it was a hit. And and people that didn't know me, you know, came up and and you know uh, were respectful and did it. But a lot of people did that. A lot of people did it because they liked the performance, they liked the episode. And but you know, my closest friends, people close to me, made fun of me. Yeah. And the one they still do. They're, they're making fun the of me right now. <laughs> the one that Jay Winston did before this was Designated Driver. So Designated Driver had a little more. Uh, acceptance in the community than Squash It. I only yeah. saw Squash It once in an article in Rolling Stone, and it was about five years ago, and it blew my mind that it was and I said, oh, this must be somebody who saw the episode and then made a reference to it, because right. I don't think it ever had really any was not incorporated into street lights. I don't believe for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, though, V, um, have you ever been in an, an argument and said, oh, fuck, stop, did you, have you ever used it in your real life? No. Next question. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just sitting around, man. I didn't, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, hey, but you guys did definitely, there are some more episodes past uh, squashes. Even in this season, there's the, you know, hate is a four-letter word. So you, you definitely, which is another great one that I thought we could have, you know, we could dive into at some other point in time. But uh, so you didn't shy away from it after this. You guys kept going there. Uh, Charles, do you well, have Squash any? Squash actually came after. Yeah, uh, well, in the, in the same season. But do you have um, memories of that episode, too, which I think is a very significant one we should mention? And then, of course, we'll talk about the one from season seven as well, Larry. But for, for the hate is a four-letter word, um, Charles, do you remember that process? Well, of that was a whole other kind of set of argument, really. It really wasn't about violence in the same way. It was about the um, uh, what happens if a... a professor who's deemed to be anti-Semitic because of the positions he takes and things he says comes to campus. And, and, and we, I was interested in, in seeing the, uh, the, you know, the founding of the NAACP was done by Jewish people with black people. So it was falling apart. That coalition had fall, pretty much fallen apart. So wanted to deal something to show some repair work. And there's been a lot of repair work since then, quite frankly. Even with uh, the problems we still have in the Middle East. Yeah. 
And Larry, for the one in season seven that the opens up the, the. You know, I'm thinking about that now. I should have probably watched it, but I, I maybe subconsciously I kind of said it in Texas, so uh, to kind of get back at Aaron for that thing. But basically, it's uh, Brandon uh, Walsh getting uh, uh, stranded in uh, you know a real shit kicker part of Texas and having his car repaired, and he gets involved with a a, a girl who works at the library, and he winds up getting her. She loses her job in a way because she winds up talking to her, and and she's you know there's just a lot of you know redneck racist attitudes in this town, and uh, Brandon's kind of stuck there, and he's got to uh, you know help her and help help himself and learn a little bit and. And it's, but it's, uh, it is really like him going up against some real rednecks, which is kind of fun. Yeah, I, I love that. Th those are both. Larry, great. one of the questions that we had for remembering the Alamo was a who, if there was a who, what was or what was the inspiration behind Mariah's character? Oh, uh, I don't know. I, I did have a, a gal I knew in college, so I would have to say her. You know, I mean, it was just a, a quality, uh, and she comes back again. Yeah. Did you know this actress, Maya Campbell? Did anyone know her? I mean, she really hit yes. a rough patch. Mm -hmm. I, I have been reading yeah. about her. Yeah. So hopefully she'll be all right. But uh, she yeah. really has been on the streets for a long time, apparently. Oh, yeah. But I don't know. I just thought she brought a great tenderness to it. And uh, it was really a fun relationship with him. And I was glad to be able to bring her back. I think uh, the same season, I think we brought her back in Heaven Sent, a show called Heaven Sent, I think. Yeah. Yes, Lily, she did come back. Do you have any other uh, questions from the fans uh, that we need to address here? No, we've nope. covered everything. Thank Not you. It. We did it. Yes. We're out. Yeah, we're almost out. Well, listen, guys, I think this is um, this is super important what we're talking about here. You know, I mean, we're talking about the episodes, but, you know, the message that I got as a you know, kid watching this show was I wanted to listen and I wanted to know more. And so in these small little moments that you guys presented, I think we all learned a little bit something and it made us a little bit better. So in this particular time, maybe we should do a little bit more listening, right? I think that's probably something that we, we can uh, all agree on. Um, V man, it was so great having you here. Thank Thanks you for for, uh, for being with us. And uh, you know, I'm all about gratitude these days, man. Thank you for what you brought to the part back then. Um, you know, the way you played that and the authentic the authenticity it felt. Yeah. That, was, that was so great about it. It was, it was a pleasure. Yeah, barring this thing, all that stuff, what you brought to to the table was just an incredible performance, and it brought everybody closer to uh, maybe a little bit of understanding. Uh, and hey, Chip, please come back. There's so much more I want to know from you. You know, I mean, there's a cult storyline. The story line. I need to know about <laughs> We can do that. And my favorite, Chip, is the uh, is the sweat lodge. That's one oh, of my favorite. Right, right. You know. Yeah, yeah so when I was flashing to that when you said how they were how they would often ad lib stuff. That that episode was filled with it. It was all pretty charming. Yeah, exactly. But so, it also uh, it had the wife of uh, the stories to tell about uh, that one too. Yeah. But it's fun. It's funny. When sometimes oh, well, I'll ask Larry or, or or Chuck, and I'll say, "Well, where did that one come from?" That line, and they're like, well, "That's Chip. That's Chip." So please <laughs> <laughs> come back, uh, Chuck. Before we leave this week, do, is there anything you want to say? I know this is this is very important to you too. So, is there anything you want to say about what's going on in the world right now? And V, I'll let you get an opportunity to say that too. Is there anything you want to add about that? Sure, sure. Well, just this, that we did make the show. The one, the three things that were, you know, for me, it was, you know, we, 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 we had, it was a world, people, our characters were tolerant. 
they accepted it, even if we didn't see that much, they accepted a diverse universe, universe and we tried to make a show that, that was sympathetic to the complexities of the human condition. And I watched for my whole life the, 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 the progress in social justice and civil rights seemed to go closer, three steps forward, one step back. I remember, I'm old enough to remember the great society, you know, the, the, all this element. And I have a really a lot of hope for this generation of, of, of um, Americans, really, who have seen that we're better together. And that in Rodney in 1992, the only people on the streets were African-American. That's not true anymore. Uh, and Black Lives Matter. Yeah. And, uh, and we um, for me. what about you? Do you want to say anything on this? Well, just to piggy just to piggyback on what Chuck was saying that uh, it's it's very diverse now, the protests. Um uh, the people um all it's all over the world. And I think what you're seeing right now is it, there is there's a, a change is coming, it is here. You're seeing laws being implemented and the conversations people are listening. And, you know, for anyone listening, don't be afraid of change. Don't be afraid. You know, don't don't fear progress. Don't fear, you know, change. You know, you're not going to get left out. There's there's plenty of resources. There's plenty to go around. There's no shortage of anything. It's just when you have more inclusion, when you have when everyone is winning, everyone's winning. There's no shortage of nothing. So don't be afraid of the change. That's that's coming. It's happening. So you might as well get educated. Some things you don't know. Find out why things are they are. Why people think the way they think. And you know, be be part of the change. Yeah. Don't be afraid of it. That's awesome. Be better. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to add to this. Um, so last week we briefly talked about the organization Color of Change, and I'd like to encourage our viewers to get involved if you're inclined to do so. Go to colorofchange.org. They're the largest racial injustice organization in the country. Um, you can get involved in one of two ways, by making a donation or uh, sign up to become a member. Um, they will send you information on uh some of their progresses and action opportunities that you can get involved with in your area. Hey, uh, next week, don't forget, this guy's joining us, Brian Austin Green, for a David Silver episode. Uh, Charles and Larry, did we discuss which two episodes we're going to cover with uh, Brian? I think. Well, I think two out of the three. We got to get a music episode. We got to think sure. of something with music, too. But we know yeah. we're going to do the uh, first, 50, first 50 years. Yep. Uh, or the next 50 years, which yes. is uh, uh, AKA the gun episode. Yep. And I think Scared Very Straight, the uh, end of the, the meth run is pretty good. Yeah. So and maybe we'll, and we'll, talk about, and we'll talk about Babyface. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's great. Oh, one of my favorite artists. Yeah. yeah. He was great. He came or, on or, the show, yeah. you know. Yeah. The Ariel Hunter that. using his virginity. Yes. Okay. So we'll talk about that next week. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so much for, Thank for you, today. Jeff. And uh, this was so Thank much fun guys. to do. Uh, thanks, guys. Thank you, right. guys. Thanks kind of so pleasure. Much. Bye, bye. Thank you. Bye -bye. This episode is made possible by PwC. A robot may not be coming for your job, but competitors are coming for your market share. At PwC, we pair the right tech with the right solutions to help you gain a competitive edge. Reimagine operations from the cloud. Fuel innovation with responsible AI and detect risks before they become headlines. 
That's human-led and tech-powered. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com.